Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C-suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface. However, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. Today, we have Angela Rose coming onto the show. She's a program director for Mental Health Action Day with MTV. Here's the thing. Save the date. Thursday, May 18th, it's Mental Health Action Day. She's a dual-certified mental health first aid, adults and youth, been teaching through the lens of being in the music community, and trained teams from Universal Music Group, 1824, Beggars Group, and almost 100 individual music community members, and now bringing the evidence-based certificate to Web3. Currently building Hope with Facts. The website's still being constructed. However, you can go check it out at hopewithfacts.com. Other things that she's into, music industry, entrepreneurship at CU Denver. Please join me in welcoming Angela Rose to the show. Angela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, whenever you you accepted the invitation, I was over the moon, especially now that you we've like I've been following along with your journey and seeing all the cool things that you're doing inside of the mental health world. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to get into the conversation. Beautiful. Me too. So Angela, let's kick this off. Like tell us how a little bit about how you got here. You know, everyone has their, you know, their story about how they got into this. So like, tell us about how about, about how you started this journey into this passion for something that, you know, we've shared that is so personal and, and to us as well, which is this mission towards um, mental health. Yes, I, w- I would love that. So let me give you a little bit of my backstory. <laughs> my, so my background is in marketing agencies and tech startups. Um, I So I got started in social impact back in 2008. I started at a company called MGive. So if you remember, you could text the word Haiti to 90999 to give 10 bucks to Red Cross over your cell phone bill. Uh, that was us. And so they launched the channel in February 2008 uh, with United Way with a 10-second PSA during the Super Bowl. I started just six months later in August 2008 and was with them for over 10 years. So I got to work with a lot of the larger clients, so like American Red Cross, uh, National Geographic, Feeding America, my favorites were always the music related. So like we had Alicia Keys and her Cuba Child Alive, Mary J. Blige, um, Demi Lovato. And so I got to work with all these really big brands and help them implement this new fundraising technology and like communication technology. And it's interesting too, I see a lot of parallels between that and blockchain. Of course, blockchain on a much, much, much grander scale, but at MGIV, you know, I started where my conversations were, okay, here's how you use the technology. Sometimes it was, here's how you send a text message, right? It's like, no, you're in your email, go back out and go to your text messages, <laughs> right? And then 
so I was doing that for a couple of years, right? But it wasn't until January 2010 that put the technology in front of the general public when that Haiti earthquake hit. So then my conversations went from here's how you use the technology technology to here's how you build and implement a sustainable marketing and fundraising strategy with the technology. So I learned a lot, uh, having been there for over 10 years. uh, But then we went through uh, three acquisitions in four years. Uh, So of course, I was very burnt out. And I was burnt out after the first acquisition. So to then go through two more, I was I just, I couldn't. Uh, So that's when I started to take contract gigs. in that time too, in that transition time, I started two of my own music-related nonprofits. Uh, the first one, 2017, where we were focused on fundraising for the musicians in the area uh, when those three hurricanes hit back to back to back. So at that time, uh, at MGive, I was working with Comic Relief, Scooter Brown Project, and Den of Thieves as we were building the Hand in Hand Benefit Concert, which, fun fact, like the Red Nose Day team, you know, we put together the Red Nose Day here in the U.S. Red Nose Day came together about six months. That hand-in-hand benefit concert was a multi-network telethon, and it came together in two weeks. Wow. So certainly nothing I recommend, uh, but it's amazing what you can do when you have, you know, the team all rowing together, a very resilient team willing to do what it takes. Uh, so then doing that, then on the side, I started Rocky Mountain Music Relief with a group of friends so we could fundraise for musicians in that area. Because you just know, as creatives, if you lose your creative space or your musician or like you, your instruments, um, you're, you lose your ability to create, that could be devastating. So uh, that grew into something really beautiful. And then in 2018, I started a very informal mental wellness meetup for the local music community in Denver. Just kind of brought people together. So let's come together and talk about our mental health at a coffee shop once a month. Uh, first, at first, I was terrified that no one was going to show up. And then I was terrified, what if people show up and they don't want to talk about anything? <laughs> Luckily, people did show up. Um, they did want to talk about things. And that grew also very beautifully. So I was able to get a grant from the city of Denver, um, turn that into a nonprofit. But then I also used some of that money to get certified to teach mental health first aid. So I got certified in February 2020 to teach adult mental health first aid. Of course, we all promptly went into lockdown March 2020. And so that was an interesting time because the National Council at that time did not have virtual curriculum. So they had to scramble to put together virtual curriculum so we could start teaching like during the pandemic. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that program, but I love the mental health first aid curriculum. It's all evidence-based, research-based. It's just like first aid, but for mental health. So I've been teaching that through the lens of being in the music community. Uh, Like I said, I've got to train the people inclusion and culture team from Universal Music Group, 1824, Beggars Group, and about 100 folks in the music community. Now, my personal goal is to now train 100 people just this year. Um, hopefully majority in the Web3 community as well, which I'd like to talk about. And then since then, like some fun contract gigs, I've worked at NFT NYC for two years. So I worked at the 2021, November 2021, got to help run the main stage at Palladium. And at that time, ticket sales were about 5,600. So we had about 5,600 tickets sold in 2021. I got hired on full time in December. And then through the June event, we had 16,000 tickets. So like to watch that scale internally was interesting. Uh, that was also an interesting time to kind of just being on the inside of that event. Uh, I did choose to end my contract after the June event. And so then I was kind of looking for something else. Around that same time, I got recruited to teach music industry entrepreneurship at CU Denver, which is named one of the top music business schools in the world by Billboard magazine. So that's 
been really rewarding to be able to teach these music students about entrepreneurship. Uh, but you can imagine going from these fast-paced marketing agencies and tech startups to a part-time professor at a university. I was, I was, I needed something to do. <laughs> so I was like also looking for something to do. And I saw Jay from MTV post the program director role on his LinkedIn. So I had participated in Mental Health Action Day the first two years that they started in 2021. I participated from a nonprofit perspective. But then when Jay posted that they were hiring a full-time program director, I was all over it because it's like, man, now I get to go back into my social impact circle and go talk with amazing humans that want to make things happen. Uh, and I get to work with MTV and you know Paramount and all these brands. I'm like through the lens of mental health and really focused on actions. So like, how can we really lean into what kind of healthy actions can we take? Because I think arguably at this point, we have enough mental awareness, arguably, like that work isn't done. But I think it's now time that we shift our focus and attention to how do we drive real mental health actions. So that's my priority, priority at the moment. I think that that's such an important message just to start with where you last let off. And I'm sure we'll work our way backwards because you have so much that that I like wrote like stuff down. Ron's over there writing stuff down. Um, you know, we talk mental health awareness. Everybody knows that there's mental health out there now. I think that that it's it, you're right. Like the messaging's out there. We're aware um, but there's just not necessarily a lot of practical ways that we're dealing with stigma. We're not dealing really in practical ways about access to care, what that looks like. It's still very expensive to really receive good mental health treatment or just, you know, you can go out and you can find resources. There's 50,000 places to go look for, you know, self-diagnosis or like lines to help you through, but really executing on that in a really meaningful way for people who not just and not people who are just in crisis. You know, crisis is obviously really, really um, instrumental in helping address mental health issues. And there's lots of execution that needs to be done better in that area, too. But ongoing mental health treatment when you're not in crisis, I think I think executing that is just so wildly underrated because those are the things that help keep people from ending up in crisis. And when you don't have the the right foundational tools in place, it becomes futile to the whole process. And all we're doing is crisis management all the time and it becomes so unmanageable. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's where I wanted to, that's, I went with the most recent thing and went from there. So <laughs> what are your, yeah. what are your ideas on execution as far as that goes and, you know, the work that needs to be done there? Well, yeah, one, I agree with you a thousand percent. Just like, yes, we all know there's a professional shortage. And if we're always, battling crises like that's not sustainable and so how I describe it is kind of like you wake up and you're like slowly shaking a soda bottle right and it's like especially for folks like me who experience anxiety depression and social anxiety uh, it's like you kind of wake up and you're constantly shaking the soda bottle and if you don't relieve some of that pressure eventually it's going to implode and you just don't know when and so that's why I'm so passionate about getting the mental health first aid curriculum in front of folks and so folks can get certified in it because it's not like you take the certification and now you're a, a doctor, you're not a therapist, right? You're not a professional, you know, quote unquote. However, you do have the tool set to one, like properly recognize the signs and symptoms of a potential uh, mental health unwellness. Uh, how to properly approach someone about that, which can kind of make or break how that conversation goes. 
how do you properly de-escalate the situation or how do you properly escalate to a professional when needed and what is the right professional and like what do you do when someone's not ready to accept that kind of help or like have that conversation yet so i realized like not until i took the curriculum did i realize that i was actually handling some situations completely wrong even though my intentions were like the best intentions that you could have i just didn't have the tools i didn't have the vocabulary i didn't have the education and so again that's why i'm passionate about the curriculum that's why i'm also passionate about bringing it to web 3.2 because i see so many twitter spaces and discord channels that say mental health and i can't tell you like there's been many times I've been in a Twitter space with mental health in the title and someone comes in and they do express potential crises and signs and symptoms right they're like openly talking about suicidal ideation and thank goodness I have the training to be able to de-escalate that but I know this is happening in spaces where folks aren't properly trained although again they have the best intentions they just don't have the tools so no thank you for going over sort of what that certification and training looks like in that curriculum because that was gonna be my next question is like can you give me the tldr and what that what that looks like um but i i think you're absolutely right and i even go back to my early career as a social worker like i i was fresh out of college and i went out to like help people and i was doing in-home services and i look back now at what I had done. So any of my previous clients are listening, I'm sorry. Um, because I had like, they don't train you in college for how to really deal with, with, with how to help truly help someone in a way that's productive and, and in line with standards, they just give you an education. And then when you go out into the world, and you're trying to help people, all you have is whatever you were given when you were growing up in this education. And it's up to you to mishmash it together to come up with practical steps. And it's not as well-intentioned as it is, like to your point, it's not always effective, nor is it actually helpful. So I love that there's this program out there, this curriculum out there that isn't necessarily just for professionals. It's for everyone to access, to become a better ally for folks, our neighbors, our family members, our friends, our communities, to, to really put make the rubber meet the road on what that what that sort of um, allyship really looks looks like in, in the mental health space. How long does it take to get certified? So it is eight hours total. So there's wow. two hours of pre-work that is done beforehand and then you come and spend six hours with me. Uh, so either I've, I've pretty much only done it as a six hour one day course. Uh, we can do it in two three hour sessions if we need to. But it is, it's a full day. And that's been my biggest hurdle is that when I talk about the program, everyone's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I want to do it. What's the next step? It's like, well, I just need eight hours of your time. Like, ah, nah, never mind. <laughs> you know? And what's the, what is the cost? What's the cost on, on the, uh, the first day program? The, the cost comes out to about $170 per person. Okay. Um, I, you know, I'm looking for folks that would want to sponsor classes. And so mm -hmm. we like if I have a full class then that cost can drop a little bit. But if we're doing it by person, it's about 170 bucks, which, you know, can be a lot for folks. But mm -hmm. given that it is uh, a training that's good for three years, it's certified by the National Council. It's absolutely worth it. Um, how I compare it is kind of like you become this mental health lifeguard, right, where you are not a professional, but you now have this certification to be able to properly assess an approach and then intervene when 
you are in the right space to do that. Like even once you get, I should say, once you get certified too, you are never required to use it. It's not like you're wearing this Superman t-shirt under your like sure. outfit every day where you have but, to go intervene. You have to protect yourself first. But then if you do find your like put yourself in a position where you do want to help, you have the tool set to do so. Well, I think that this is such a great tool, maybe not even for just the, of course it's just for your neighbor and, and whatever, but I think leaders in general, would would gain a ton of benefit from something like this when you're in your yearly meetings, whenever you're in your weekly meetings, or when somebody's not performing the way that they usually do, and how to approach that conversation, even just from a leadership point of view, I think is really important uh, for to to approach those situations with with this right vocabulary in mind. I think that the vocab is is one of the things that is one of the most important pieces because it's language and words matter and how you approach situations. I think about like hostage negotiations, you know, <laughs> like hostage negotiations are a, are a high stakes game. You're just hot on the Waco thing. So it's fine. <laughs> no, it's I've, I've thought about Gary. this. Yeah, Gary. <laughs> this isn't your game, Gary. Anyhow, <laughs> sorry, that's a sidebar. Um but those are high stakes situations, you know what I mean? And words really matter in those situations. And of course, it's uh, tons of mental health going on there, uh, whatever the case may be. But if you even approach regular meetings inside of your business like that, where these are high stakes, these are your people, these yeah, are these are the things that matter. It's, it's elevating your mindfulness game. And I've, I've had the opportunity yes. to say this so many times in the recent Ooh, past. Elevate your mindfulness game. Okay. Like, I, I love that. <laughs> I have, I have never heard anybody. I, I have never heard anybody step back and regret being more mindful in a situation, specifically a difficult <laughs> one. When has the last time? So I was like, man, I wish that I had just not been so damn mindful. That would have went so much better. Like no one is saying that. I'm even thinking about, you're talking about, you know, business side. I'm thinking about like all of these like TikTok videos with hashtag Karen in them. Like mm. I can't help when I watch some of these escalating videos on TikTok that get a lot of views and they get a lot of hits where you're really not, look. you think you're looking at something that's like somebody acting like an asshole and you're like, you know, oh, but really what you're looking at is someone in crisis. Really, if you take five steps backwards and you turn on your empathy just a little bit above petty, you can really, really see that there is something going on there. And I'm like deploying this type of training and, and elevated mindfulness uh, from a mental health perspective, while it may create less um, – views on some accounts on TikTok, we might have like just a skosh more elevated, healthier world that we're living in where maybe this toxicity is less celebrated and maybe just, yeah, you know, the no, health totally. is the health is ele elevated. A Angela, little bit more. if you were to give somebody like yeah. the number one action item, what's like a number one action item that you would put into play? If somebody was just like, just give me the just give me the TLDR. What, what's the number one thing I got to do? I think number one would be listen non-judgmentally. Listen non-judgmentally. And like it sounds really straightforward, but it does have to be practiced and it has to be done intentionally. And there's actually a whole section in the mental health first aid curriculum and how you actually listen non-judgmentally. And part of that too is 
like having the right follow-up questions. Um, like we live in a world too, where we're so quick to jump to solutions and fixing and problem solving. And uh, I certainly were like, I am very mad about that and I've been trying to get better. But some of the key things that you can say, if someone comes to you and they start venting, instead of being like, oh, here's how you fix it. Boom, boom, boom. You say, okay, do you, do you want me, do you want to vent or do you want solutions, right? Like, do you want me to just listen or do you want me to problem solve? And like, let them choose because that might be them just opening that soda bottle, right? Like they just got to release some pressure and that could be all it takes to deescalate from a crisis. It's like, they just want to be heard. Um, the power of yeah. choice there is so like, I think people underestimate the power of choice in some of those situations. Specifically, I know whenever I'm having, dealing with anxiety um, and depression and whatever, when I'm going through about myself, sometimes having just being reminded that I have a choice and how to proceed forward is enough to to use your 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 example of releasing some pressure. It's like, oh, wait, no, I do have a choice here. Like I can like so even in a conversation, being someone offering you the choice on how to proceed forward in that conversation can be so empowering. And I'll never um, stop yelling about the fact that the power of choice can can change the trajectory of an entire situation. Absolutely. Well, I'll share an interesting story too. It's like for me, when, when I, what I don't like these days is that everyone's like, oh, you just need to meditate. Just go meditate. Oh. And I problem, I problem, I have a through line here, but like, go oh, you just need grass. to go meditate. Just go touch grass. Yeah. Touch grass. You know, when I first started meditating, I actually found it to be an incredibly stressful experience, right? It was not enjoyable for me. It was very stressful. And and I said, why is everyone recommending this? Like, this is not calming at all. This is not helping me. Because of my anxiety and social anxiety, I was giving, like, space to all of these thoughts in my head. And, like, all of these things were bubbling up that I maybe wasn't directly addressing, and it became very loud. And then I heard someone once say, and it stuck with me, is like anxiety is like the conspiracy theories you tell yourself. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like you give space to that. It's like, so true. So then, yeah. But then, listen, what you said is like, now if I'm having a conversation with someone and they just give me a choice, like I could take my power back that way. It's like, oh, I, I get to choose the next step. Um, I, I am in control. It's just kind of that, that loving nudge uh, that you don't have to believe everything you think. <laughs> One of the things that you're working on right now and moving up towards is this May 18th event uh, with MTV. And I do want to get into what what is this event? Um, tell tell us all about it. How did it start? Um, and also, you just dropped some super big news. Uh, your your guest list is superstar studded. So let us know about <laughs> what's going on in the 18th this month. Beautiful. Yes, thank you. So this is our third annual Mental Health Action Day. Uh, it's Thursday, May 18th. So save save the date, mark your calendar. It's always the third Thursday of, of May. Um, you know, the first two years, it started in 2021. So Task Force and MTV really came together. And uh, this was 2021, like, you know, one year into the pandemic. And they said, you know, there's really no one leading the conversation on actions, right? Like we have a lot of discussions about mental health. There's lots of awareness, but like, what are we doing about it? And so they launched Mental Health Action Day in 2021 uh, with a couple hundred partners. And then it grew to over a thousand in the second year in 2022. 
Now, the first two years, they were really focused on partner growth, like how do we get the right partners in place uh, to build trust and credibility for this movement? And then for this third year, I'm super grateful and humbled uh, that they've brought me on. So I'm the first full-time person they've hired to really drive and manage the program. And so my focus this year is really leaning into those actions. And so, of course, we want as many partners as we can. You can sign up as a partner, whether you're a business organization, all-star human, you know, go to mentalhealthactionday.org slash partner or slash join, excuse me, and you can join um, mentalhealthactionday.org slash join. And now I get to talk with all these really wonderful people and say, okay, how, what actions are we doing? You know, and our whole goal is to shift the mental health culture from awareness to action. And what's been interesting is that sounds great, right? It's like, oh, great. You know, let's just go ahead and flip that switch. Let's go ahead and, and shift it from awareness to action. You know, so I have these conversations with people and I walk them through it and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And then I get on the phone one-on-one and they're like, okay, well, we're just going to like raise some awareness and post on social media. And it's like, well, that is a good start, but you know, in my most like like polite voice and, and way, I try to be like, what are we doing for actions? Like, what are the actions that we're going to do? Like, what are you encouraging people to do for their mental health? Um, so it's just been interesting because when you come at it from a high level and you get everyone excited, but then you go, you bring it down to the execution level and it's just a little bit less clear. So I'm enjoying the process. Um, we have some really amazing partners on board and we are going to drive some great actions. Uh, so we just announced that we're hosting an event with uh, Vice President Kamala Harris in California. Uh, so that's going to be incredibly exciting and that is going to be a student focused event. So if you're a student at CSUDH, uh, you can enter a lottery to go and it's all about youth mental health first aid. And so they're going to be, MTV is going to be bringing in some youth ambassadors just to talk about mental health from a youth perspective. Uh, I am excited about that because it's going to get a lot of attention. Uh, hopefully p- people will come on board. Last year we were in the White House. And so we had the president and the first lady with Selena Gomez. And again, we brought these youth ambassadors to come in and talk about mental health from a youth perspective. Uh, other brands, like we have YouTube. So I'm doing a, a creator briefing for YouTube creators on Monday, just to encourage people, if you're a YouTube creator, like go out and create content uh, for this day on mental health actions. Uh, we have Snapchat, we have Reddit, you know, like all the bigger brands down to smaller ones too. Those are just the ones on the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I'm really curious to see what kind of actions are gonna come out of this. It's like our goal is for folks to spend an hour either for yourself, your loved ones, or your community. And it was interesting when I first started soft pitching that one hour call to action, I had some people say, well, one hour is way too much. Nobody has an hour to give for their mental health. And then other people were like, one hour is not enough. We need more time. (laughs) If you can't find an hour on one day for mental health action, like you, we have to reassess our entire societal construct. And this is why we need a day to remind us like if one hour is a problem now you like the next time so you know sometimes things come up in the calendar be like why do we need to have that that's why right there that's why (laughs) yeah this is why so it's like simple mental health actions like if you don't feel like you have an hour on a thursday then put your phone away for an hour like disconnect the news from the hour maybe you split that hour up over the day right 
So take 15 minutes uh, in the morning, like take a 30 minute no screen lunch break and then 15 minutes of reflection in the evening. And there are ways that you can weave in these little mini breaks for yourself um, that can count as a mental health action. Schedule that appointment with a therapist. Just go for the hour. Well, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious if you do have. uh, So just like just like we're we're well intended on having an action day. um, And I'm sure that there's some intertwining of the mental health first aid kit inside of this is there a list that people could like choose from if they're literally just starting out on this mental health journey and their their bottle is like they've shaken this sucker up forever and they're they're under some pressure and maybe trying to come up with these mental health pieces maybe they don't have the awareness um are you giving tools for for folks to to choose from yeah, I love that question. It's like, so a lot of our partners will have those resources. And so I did start an internal like Google Doc. It's like, because I, I had the same thought as you, is like, I want to get outside of the mental health community circle, although I love them, they're my family. We need to get out of that circle so we don't become an echo chamber and reach the people that aren't thinking about taking a mental health action for themselves. So I started a list of actions. But really, my goal at Mental Health Action Day is to empower the partners, and then the partners go out and empower all the individual people. Um, and so we have a number of partners that are going to be doing a lot of that. Uh, I could definitely see some yeah. content creation being done around that, because whenever you're looking at you know, YouTube creators, Snapchat creators, uh, even in Reddit form, where you can, you can do videos, um, and then obviously the music piece of it, music is just one of those things that I think we... I think we can all pretty much agree that speaks to us in, in a way that, you know, maybe uh, whenever your words don't don't sort of match it, that the beats and the, the vibrations that you get from music, there's something about it that, that really speaks to our mental health. Um, and the case, we talked about this last week, actually, like something about, um, weren't, weren't you talking about ADHD and the like certain hurts or something Binaural like that? Beats. Yeah, yeah, binaural beats. I was yeah. just, I, I had no idea about binaural beats. So like I, I always um and just like you said, whenever you're in this mental health space, you do hear a lot of the same terms, a lot of the same echo chamber esque type stuff. Um and I think that's why sometimes people are like they just go to the oh, you just gotta meditate thing. Whenever there's a list of a bazillion things that you could do, and sometimes it's like paralysis by too many options. And that's why I was mm-hmm. curious, like whenever you have these brand partners coming on, I think that's really an interesting way to tackle this is like because those brand partners have a community in and of themselves. And whenever you're co-branding like this and collaborating, they already know like their community knows what to expect from them from a brand standpoint. And so as long as it kind of stays within that vein, and I'm curious, like whenever you're whenever you are collaborating with with bigger brands or even small brands, like what is the process like for you? Um, has it always been pretty smooth sailing? Because I know that you've you've gone from telethons to now running MTV's mental health. Like that, it's crazy, like that jump. And there, there's obviously some years in there, but what has your journey been like in the collaboration aspect have you been able to drop the rope a little bit more now and allow the brands to to do their thing, or are you still in the way of like I gotta control this? I just I just want to know what you your thoughts are on on collaboration there. Yeah, what's funny is like I 
I mentioned this during my NFT NYC talk too, where it's like we we have these conversations, right? And it's always the sizzle reel, right? Like I did my backstory. We sit, we share all these really exciting things, and like, look how great all this work is. It's like you know how all that happened. It's because I failed a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of fail failure stories where I learned a lot more to get these really cool stories. And there's a coffee mug that I want so bad, and it says. Like good decisions come from experience, and experience comes from bad decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I just I love it so much. Um, but I think for me, it's like I don't know if I fully understand the question. For for me, my collaboration style has always been build a relationship and ask a ton of questions, and like be and be confident. So people can feel like they they can trust you. And luckily, I'm in a part of my career where I've because I've failed so much, I know how to navigate those conversations and build trust pretty quickly. So it's like I always start with introductions, no matter who I'm on the phone with. Right. Like I got on the phone with YouTube. It's like, let's do some introductions like, yeah, you're YouTube, but you don't know me. I don't know you behind all these big brands are human beings that have their own personal backstories just because they work at YouTube doesn't mean they are YouTube. Um, and so that always helps break the ice is that like get it, giving them. And I often start the introductions because then I can model what I want out of those introductions. Cause I find when I don't start the introduction, a lot of times people will say, Oh, I'm so-and-so and this is my title. And that's their introduction. It's like, I know you got more than that. I know there's more of a story there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I start and kind of give my my short backstory so then folks get to know me. And then they feel now like in a space where they can share about them. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it absolutely does. And that that piece too is the building of trust. Even putting yourself out there first is something that builds trust. They know that you are going to be vulnerable in the conversation and you've displayed that. You've given them a a choice, right? You you gave them a choice to to do the introduction, but in guidelines. And I think that's really what I was trying to get at before as well is and there's this story about Aldi. Are you familiar with Aldi, the grocery store? Yes, but I don't know if I know this story. So the story is the reason why the two gentlemen who created Aldi and they only have a select number of brands was because whenever there's too much selection, people have a real hard time making a selection. And sometimes we'll just skip over in general. So if you give people only a few options, their decision-making process is a quicker and more concise. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of giving them guidelines. So you're guide railing them into a decision. Sure, I want cereal, but if I have five options instead of 35 options, I'm going to be able to make that decision quicker. It's going to take up less mental space for me to make that decision. And then I can move on. Um, And that's really what I wanted to get at was how are you – because mental health is such a a big – it's a big task. And then to throw action into it to people that are unaware or even uh, not willing to or not ready for that journey to give them some guide rails to allow them, yes, I want to be a participant, but I don't know where to start, giving them the start point. And what you just brought up is icebreakers and those types of things. It seems like that's an ethos just in everything that you approach is to build that trust with somebody and then to build off of that. And 
that's a foundational piece in business and in life and relationships. And really that's what it all comes back to is the relationship. Yes. You know, it's it, yes to all of that. And what it reminds me of is when I was first getting out of college and I was looking for like my first job, right? It's like, I now I need it. I'm not getting out of college. I need, I need a job. And at the time I was working for a career consulting firm and they said, you just need to go network. And I was like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as an introvert myself, it's like the idea of going to these networking events was terrifying. And so I started going to networking events with a friend, but then I realized, well, we would just pod together and not talk to anyone else and meet anyone new. So it's like, well, that's not working. So I started forcing myself going to networking events alone, which again, like terrifying. Like I had to like pump myself up in the car, listen to some music. It's like, okay, I gotta go talk to people. What I found was if you come to those networking events prepared with quality questions, one, like people love talking and they love to talk about themselves. And so it's like, if you ask questions, you'll learn a lot. And then, but like be listening and have follow-up questions. And then they will eventually ask you questions and it leads to a really beautiful conversation. But it was very uncomfortable to kind of learn those skills. Just conversational skills in general is terrifying. Like I'm literally just going to say hi to this person and then they're going to say hi back. And then what do we say? You know, and and I love that you said that you came prepared with questions. So you probably researched who was going to be there. Um, And then you would bring specific questions for that specific person or that specific company and you knew something about them. So those, again, guide rails. Yep, absolutely. There's a great book called Power Questions that I love, too. Um, It's like it's an older book, but I love it. And to tie it back to mental health, it's like something that I started doing during the pandemic that I still use today, too. It's been a very powerful tool is that, you know, you ask, you go up to someone, hey, how are you? Good, great, fine. How are you? Good, great, fine. But then you immediately follow up as like, how are you really? Mm. And then stop talking. And I have got the most beautiful, authentic responses because when you follow up and you actually stop talking then and give someone the space to share authentically, you really get to know how somebody is. Um, and that's a really beautiful thing, especially when we're talking about mental health. It's like they may be like, I'm really struggling at home or like I'm, I'm dealing with this thing. And it's like, again, I'm not here to fix it, but like you can share here and you're like, it's a safe, brave space. I think that for, for this um, World Mental Health Action Day, I really think employers <clears throat> would be really in a great position to ask that follow-up question of their people that day. And make it a part of their daily leadership or check-in leadership check-in. But more more than that, it would be really great to have employers also put into action to say, you know what, maybe you need to take an hour today to go take a break, to go do this, to, you know, go have lunch with with your mom or your dad or your uncle or your friend or whoever or you know, your fate, your work bestie, your work wife, work husband, whoever, you know, your work partner, whoever. I, I, that's something that's just like in that, that just came to me was like, wow, as leaders of organizations would be really gauging how their people are doing, not just in life, but also just from a mental health check-in perspective, if they just asked a follow-up question like that. And that's a great thing for if any employers or leaders out there looking for something to do for action day, that's your action. Ask that question. Yeah. It's, it's so simple, right? It's such a simple question. And 
two thoughts there. One, the the going out and taking a break for lunch is like there's actually science behind that now. Where I used to be that person was like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy. I got to eat lunch at my desk. I'm just going to work through lunch. I'm not going to leave my desk. There's actually science now that shows the people that leave their desk and take a break and go have lunch are more productive the second half of the day. And when I read that, it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like yeah. you think you're being more productive, but you're actually less productive if you don't take breaks. So take a break. <laughs> yeah. And then to the the other really great tool that I encourage folks is the stoplight check-in. This is something that I've implemented in all of my meetings. It's like when I first took MTV through it too for our first meeting, they're like, this is a little bit weird. Now they've totally embraced it. Um, but you think about a stoplight, it's like you have green, yellow, red. Green is I'm great. Yellow is I'm in the middle. And red is I'm in the red zone today, you know, and you can be anywhere on the spectrum. I'm often lime green. I've been burnt orange, but there's no judgment either. So I have to make that very clear. If someone is in the red, orange, yellow zone, there's no judgment in being in that zone. It's just a mindfulness check-in. It's like, where are you today? You can share as much or as little as you'd like, and there will be no follow-up. There's no saving. There's no fixing. But to me is like leading the call. Now I know, okay, if this person is in the red, orange, yellow zone and they are quieter or like they're snappier or maybe they respond in a way that I don't feel is uh, normal for them. I know it's not personal. Uh, I know that they're just in the red zone today and that's okay, but it just brings awareness to the whole group. It's amazing how we never really grow out of the kindergartner needing of like, <laughs> how, where are we today? Um, <laughs> totally. it, it's, it's so, it's so fitting. I, I think that we, we think that we're so grown and we don't need these check-ins, but my goodness, they're, they're really important. Um, they're helpful. And, and they're so helpful because whenever you do approach those conversations, you're like, oh, okay, I know you're red zone, but we got to talk about this. So I get it. Um, I do want to get into, I want to do like a, a hard shift and the Web3 space that we're all in um, and what you have what you have uh, brought into this Web3 space and trying to bring the action items into there, what has been the journey into Web3 and NFTs, crypto in general? Um, and then what are you doing uh, from a personal side inside of Web3? Uh, beautiful, thanks. So my my blockchain journey started in 2018. Um, so I was like just coming out of MGIVE at the time and I was kind of exploring new things. Uh, there was a meetup in Denver called Blockchain for Sustainable Development. And so it was all about the global goals, the sustainable development goals, and like how blockchain could help address those global goals. So I was all over it. I loved it. Um, I went to the first one. I brought my boyfriend at the time. I loved the content. My boyfriend just played on his phone the whole time. I was like, well, if, I'm not going to bring you to these meetups if you're just going to play on your phone, play games on your phone the whole time. So I kept going. I stopped inviting him and I kept going. Um, turns out like I, I fell in love with the blockchain technology. Also fell in love with the host of the meetup. Um, I just married him in September. And so that's <laughs> a <whole> story. <laughs> Congratulations. And so thank you. Thanks it's been a wonderful playing on your journey. phone, buddy. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, but like I've always I came through the lens of social impact, which is very much uh, me. And I, you know, I didn't really get started in NFTs till 2021. I was in, in Clubhouse, like kind of lurking in all the Clubhouse rooms. Um, 
but it's funny too. And then we shifted over to Twitter spaces and it's like, I would always hear these conversations like, oh, all the wonderful friends I've made in the community, community, community. It's like, well, come on, I'm not making any friends. And it's like, I did some reflections like, well, you're not talking to anybody. <laughs> it's like, that was my introvert showing, right? It's like, I'm going to all these rooms. I'm like learning great from like learning a lot from the conversations, but I'm not engaging. And so things really changed when I started getting up on the clubhouse rooms. That's how I met Peter Schwing. Uh, he's the one Love that invited Peter me to come Schwing. help. I have to digress. I love Peter. So if anyone's not out there following <laughs> Peter and you don't have his coin, like you need to ask him about it. But that, I you digress. Yes, you need it. Um, he's an amazing human. So like I started joining him up on his stage in Clubhouse. We became friends. He invited me to come help him run the stage at NFT NYC. And like that's how that journey started, right? Just because I started getting up on stage talking about weekly music topics, right? Um and then, so I've been involved in a lot of communities, luckily, because my husband has been so in it. He's like got me into all the right communities, right? I'll use air quotes. Um, but I love the community aspect. And I know I we're running out of time, so there's not a lot to talk about, like where the market is at right now. But for me, it's like it's always been about the community. And when people talk to me about it, it's like, why do you like, why are you still in it? It's like because I get to hang out with really cool humans doing really cool things. Um, I think at this point now, I am like quietly building something um, that will include mental health first aid. Uh, it's going to be called Hope with Facts. And so you like you, if you're anyone's listening to this, you can get a sneak peek of the website, thehopewithfacts.com. But I want to bring that certification to Web3. I want to gamify it. I want to bring really beautiful art to it. I want to showcase that this technology can do really wonderful things. I'm thinking of some sort of a dynamic token, but it's also a soulbound token. Part of it will be a soulbound token if it's a certification. So I have kind of all these ideas. I'm still very much in the ideation phase, but I am excited to show what the technology can do um, and then how it can drive some mental health conversations in a very positive way. I'm so excited to hear you say this about what you're building, because I was sitting here thinking very early on in this conversation, like, how can I, one, get the certification and have it on the blockchain Two, how can I sponsor mm -hmm. other people as well to participate in this and make sure they have access to it for someone who maybe can't afford to get a token or, or pay for the certification itself. So the fact that you're bringing like these two worlds together that I love so much, which is the, this bringing practical execution and, and productive execution to helping address mental health and training and web three all into the same thing is a really beautiful thing so i will be following along very closely well and i'd like to yes. i'd like to understand too just for those of you who are listening who aren't familiar with the nft space at all uh, or you're brand new into it and you've learned a little bit help us understand why soulbound tokens are the choice here for on-chain certifications Yes. Uh, so the soulbound token is the choice because it is like bound to your wallet. It's not sellable. It's not tradable. It's like if you get this certification, you want it on the blockchain, but you don't want to sell that like that. That is yours. It becomes part of your identity. So I think this the conversation around blockchain identity is really interesting to me and to be able to show, OK, I've got this certification. It's proven. It's accredited. And it's mine. I did that. Because um, right now, when someone goes through the certification, they get a JPEG, right? Like they get a photo of a certification with their name on it. It's like, great, but 
Now what do you do with it? It comes in as an attachment of your email that you download and then it sits in your downloads folder. Um, it can be so much more interesting as a token on the blockchain that then also now becomes a key to unlock other things, other experiences, other communities, et cetera. Well, and that's the thing too, is I look at it from like, I'm looking five to 10 years down the road is if you have all of these certifications and I'm a, and I'm a, a business, a brand, a person, whoever that's looking for people with this certification and there's an easy way to find those people with that certification, this is where I think having the soulbound token to your wallet and not allow, it doesn't allow you to transfer it. So like I look at it also education or on, j- on job certifications, anything that you, um, that you have in your kind of personnel file should be on the blockchain so you can reference it later on or for potential employers to reference later on. Um, but that soul bound piece I think is one that I, I love it because it goes against everything that's in the NFT space right now, which, which is flipping and trying to make money, when really the technology can be used for verifying that's infallible. You can't, you cannot change it, guys. Like you can't change the blockchain like you can with a PDF editor or uh, Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel. Like you can't change this stuff. And when you have these certifications on chain, it's forever. And I, and I love that piece where it is soul bound. So I guess I could give you my seed phrase and you could take my wallet, but (laughs) like, that's the other piece of it. Like I do think about it like as a criminal and I'm like, okay, well, I guess if you wanted to have that and have the certification, you'd have to have the seed phrase and whatever. But, um, this is the first step. This is the first Mm -hmm. step to having it on chain and it gives you access to like-minded individuals that want to, want to be in this space as well for social impact. Um, so hope with facts.com. I'm definitely going to be watching. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> so cool. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to get across to our listeners today? Let's say one, like join us on mental health action day, on Thursday, May 18th, uh, take an hour, put it on your calendar. Now, if you can like request a day off from your employer, take that PTO time, right? Like don't let that PTO sit, uh, use that time. And if you can't take the day, take an hour. If you can't take an hour, put your phone away for an hour. Um, like think about like intentionally what you can do for yourself, for your mental health on Mental Health Action Day, which is Thursday, May 18th. And if you do wanna join on as an official partner, everybody is welcome, uh, no matter who, you are. So please join us at mentalhealthactionday.org slash join. And we would just love to have you. And that will be in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, make sure you look into the show notes. If it's on Spotify, iTunes, I'll make sure I link it in there. Uh, so you can just get a one click away and, and join the movement uh, of self-leadership and social impact and hopefully on chain too. Hey, <laughs> yes. Melissa, do you want to get anything else? No, across? thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's it's a pleasure getting to speak to someone who's really in the trenches, taking action on on a, on issues that matter so much to us, very personally, um, and our professional backgrounds. It resonates. So appreciate your time and your heart for for this. Um, just so authentic and genuine, and just so excited um, to have you share your experiences. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was a real treat. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait to have you on our Twitter Spaces show too. So yes, you're coming on that show. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, until next time.
enjoy the journey. Take care, everybody. Thank you for staying here until the very end. If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or a review wherever you downloaded or streamed this podcast from, that goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights where we host the Twitter Spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.